1: BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good afternoon, everyone. Of course, it is Enterprise Biz Bytes. My name is Rich Bradbury, and I'm here in the studio, of course, with... Roshan Kennison It's nice to have you back in the studio. It's been a while since we've been, like, uh, sparring on air for a while. Yes, yeah? it's been a while, Rich. I yes. missed you. I was away oh, for a you week. you, Yeah, you've been away. You left me. You abandoned me here in the studio by myself. Yes, yes, I had to good go. Good work, oh, Good work. Yes. Uh, anyway, uh, enough <laughs> about that. Uh, if you want to get in touch with the show a little bit later on... Excuse me. You can get us on our U-Mobile WhatsApp number, 018-789-8899, of course. And you can also get us on X at BFM Radio. Now, in this day and age, the hustle culture is um, very common amongst enterprises of all levels. And many of us have experienced it or are experiencing it as we speak at the workplace. And over the years, the hustle culture has become a pervasive part of modern life, with entrepreneurs pushing themselves to the limit to succeed in their business ventures, and this relentless pursuit of productivity and success can have serious negative effects on mental health. Yeah, on top of that, social media platforms such as Instagram,
2: TikTok, and Facebook have made it easy for influencers and celebrities to share images of themselves working late into the night, glorifying and perpetuating a dangerous, potentially dangerous, mindset among younger generations who look up to them for inspiration I can still remember many Instagram posts of The Rock for example waking up for his first workout at Uh 4am and then before going on to do work and his second workout would be later that day right Right, but um While these things can be aspirational and positive, it's also really important to know your own limits so that you don't burn yourself out, as is the case with many people. So the question here is, I guess, could all this prove to be a factor that negatively affects the perception of younger generations in the workforce Mm. or or those who are about to enter the workforce
1: as well. Indeed. So today on Enterprise Biz Bites, we're going to be unpacking whether the hustle culture has brought sustainable success for enterprises, particularly within the SME sector and how modern work practices can increase efficiency without bringing negative impacts to employees as well as breaking down the generational gap or mindset at the workplace. So, joining us in this conversation because of course me and Roshan are no uh, experts to burnout culture despite the fact that I'm losing my voice. He was <laughs> for a week you know we're not going to mumble about that i have uh, Mohammed isa moshidi he's the director of workforce management at pwc isa thank you very much for joining us here in the studio
3: thank you for having me and
1: virtually i have associate professor dr sodiz soma Sundrum head of department of postgraduate studies for the school of management and marketing faculty of business and law at taylor's university hi dr Sodis
0: hi Good afternoon. Thank you
1: very much for joining us here on the show. It's a pleasure to have you both here. And, and I guess, first of all, I, I want to ask the broad opening question to the two of you. And I think Isa, will start with you first. You. Hustle culture is when a workplace environment places this intense focus on productivity, on ambition, and on success. And as we mentioned, with little guard, often for rest, for self-care, or any sense of work-life balance. But that kind of sounds a bit like the pandemic
3: itself. (laughs) But from your experience, does it still exist as it did before? Um, Interestingly enough, um, in my view, it's actually gotten worse today. Mm. And the pandemic actually has made it worse. And we, I was just talking to a couple of your team members uh, <laughs> earlier about that. Um, and let me explain a bit more about that. Um, in Due to the pandemic, um, the, there is a very much a blurring of time. Right. In terms of when we work, when we start work, when we end work. Mm, mm. And because of that as well, um, people feel because of the virtual nature of how we work that you can actually lay one meeting on top of any other yeah it doesn't give you much time to breathe it doesn't give you much time to think mm. it doesn't also allow you much time to actually do th- things for yourself or yeah. even take a breather and eat and, and go and have a briar break and stuff so um and pervasively as well it also then pushes us to then work longer hours because there's when normally in the past, in, in hustle culture, you still take a bit of time to drive to work, mm. to travel to work, mm. to travel yeah. back from. Work, right, <laughs> you,
1: you'd have that third space. Yes, yeah. Yeah.
3: exactly. Yeah. But here you don't. Right. The, that literally it stops when you switch off the computer. You can't hide from WhatsApp, Isa. That's
1: that's the other <laughs> issue, <as> well, right? <laughs> uh, Doctor Sodis, do you have anything to add on to Isa's comments there?
0: I think actually that's a very good point is, uh, that we had brought up, right? Um, and I think it's also, this culture is actually also depending on the type of institution as well, mm. right? Because I think um, there's a lot of awareness that we are seeing these days with regards to importance of mental health, mental well-being, right? And I think the larger institutions are... Um, getting on the bandwagon and saying that, you know, there is, there is a code of practice that we would most likely need to follow, mm-hmm. right? So, larger organizations, I think, are a bit more mindful. We are seeing a bit of change in the culture, right? Um, in the need to look after the employee's well-being. I think that's that's happening, right? But um, let's say we were taking the smaller, the pop and mom uh businesses, yeah, yeah. for instance. Yeah? yeah? Or the startups. That those kind of institutions then you know we are seeing that um that culture is still more prevalent. Mm-hmm. Right? Um <clears throat> I guess it's also seen more as a necessity, right? Um the expectation that, you know, in order to grow, because they're at a stage where they need to grow or they need to make profit. So it becomes a necessity and employees are expected to give Hundred percent, not not even hundred percent. At times, they're expected to give hundred and ten percent, right, for the business to grow, or for them to strive, mm. right. So I, I guess it's also a. The the nature of the business is actually quite important in this case as well, I would say.
1: And there's that, that link to, you know, loyalty as well and, and guilt almost, you know, if if you're not loyal to the company, you're not staying late enough, you know, and then when you are staying late and getting home, you feel guilty to your family, but then the other way around, you're guilty to your employer. It can be kind of complicated web to be finding yourself in, right?
0: yes yeah. that, that's true and and you sometimes you know um you hear how you know when someone wants to leave the office at uh 6 or even 7 right eyebrows are raised right yep, like yep. you know you're living early right so i guess it's it's not just the the employer right it's also the employees it's it's a culture which is prevalent mm-hmm. yeah yeah,
2: yeah. I, not to mention the fact that you know you sometimes have 4 p.m meetings yes. start and you know ah. meetings don't end it's going to it'll go on to 6 p.m or something along those lines <laughs> um Issa, before we get to you, uh, Dr. So this uh, one other question that we were talking about and both of you have touched on this is essentially this idea that the type of business enter, uh, matters, right? So, um, when we talk about hustle culture, so there is an expectation for by smaller companies, high growth companies that you stick around and you work hard and you stay in and you stay out. Uh, but sometimes that's rewarded with things like stock options and all. But that isn't always the case. Uh, maybe talk to us a little bit about, I guess, the importance of awareness before entering a particular company, right? A more mature company may be clock in nine to five. Uh, different businesses may have different requirements, especially the younger startups. Uh, doctors, so this let's start with you.
0: Okay, sure. Um, I think there is uh, when you look at the um, hustle culture, there is a perception that this is only there in the workplace, right? Mm. Um, I would actually disagree with that. Mm. I think we are seeing this culture in schools, right? Um, in university. I mean, in schools, we hear about um, students going in uh, at morning, right? They finish, they go for tuition, they come back, they do their homework they sleep the next morning, they get up. It's the mill, right? It's the grind in the mill. Right? Yeah. Um, the same thing for, for universities as well. Right. Um, I think in the universities we have uh, students have the pressure of academic workload, needing to participate in societies, extracurricular activities, right. Attending networking and career events, right. All, all with the aim of wanting to build up their CVs. Mm. Right. So, um, academic institutions are also to, to a certain extent be playing because <laughs> we do put expectations on them, right? So, yeah. as we know, our employability rates are important indicators for it. So, you know, there's general pressure, like how companies would have pressures of profit, we would have this as well. But I guess the, the main difference that we would see in a university environment is you actually tell them that this is a safe space, right? So let's say if you are facing pressure or you are facing stress, right? There are many venues available, right? Um, Academic mentors for support. There are counsellors that you can go for counselling support, right? So basically, I think in the academic institutions, students go through the process. They experience the hustle. But the most important thing is I think we are also telling them, hey, look, reach out. There is help. Mm -hmm. right so it's and it's okay to ask for help right if you're overwhelmed please reach out please ask us for help i think that's what we are saying right and i think that's that's important
1: um Okay, uh, I think we need to take a short break here. Uh, folks, we'll be back. A qu- I've got some more questions for you, Isa. Don't go anywhere. Uh, doctor, uh, Doctor, uh, just stay on the line with us. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. We're going to take a short break. We've got some music coming up from the Cardigans here. And if you do have a question for us or any of our guests here in the studio, get us on our U-Mobile WhatsApp number 018-789-8899. Of course, we are on X at BFM Radio. We'll be right back. BFM 89.9. Broking Financial Mergers. BFM eighty nine point nine. Welcome back to Enterprise Biz Bytes. My name is Rich Bradbury, and I'm still here in the studio with. Russian and, of course, we're still joined by uh, Mohammed Issa Mochili, the Director of Workforce Management at PwC, and Associate Professor Dr. Sogulis-Somasundrum, Head of Department of Postgraduate Studies in the School of Management and Marketing, Faculty of Business and Law at Taylors University. She has a business card that is 10 feet long. Here on today's <laughs> BizBytes, we unpack whether the hustle culture has brought sustainable success for enterprises, particularly the SME sector, how modern work practices can increase efficiency uh, without bridging, uh, bringing negative impact to employees, as well as breaking down the generational gap or mindset at the workplace. And if you want to discuss with us on this topic, you mobile number zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. We are on X at BFM Radio. Roshan, I know there's something you wanted to pick up on.
2: Yes, yeah, so um, earlier we were talking to Dr. Sodes about the academic side of things, right? That hustle culture doesn't necessarily begin at the workplace. It starts off from school as well, with the need for extracurriculars and have extraordinary CVs in order to, and that carries on into the workplace. The difference being, I guess when you're in academic institutions, you have other people who are willing to take care of your parents, even the institution themselves, uh, wanting to keep students sane, I guess, to a certain degree. Issa, talk to us a little bit about that, that change when you enter the workplace, right? Because there may not be as many safeguards as you had when you were a child in an education mm-hmm. institution. How how is hustle culture? Uh, I guess how is that related? How is talk to us a little bit about hustle culture in the workplace, and I guess guardrails if there were any.
3: Okay, um, let's look at this in in two weeks then. Mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm. it it really goes back to what Doctor Sophie mentioned earlier in terms of what type of organisations that you join. Um, effectively, within SMEs, the need and the demand to actually perform and, and deliver is higher than ever if compared to the multinationals or GLCs, large GLCs, for that example. So the guardrails and the safeguards would not be as established um, as what you see. But one thing um, that a lot of um, young graduates are keen to, as you mentioned earlier, Get involved in and, and want to do is, is because it gives them the experience. Mm. It allows them to do a lot more things mm. than they would be able to do if they were to enter a, a, a bigger organization. Yeah. yeah, Mainly because this allows them to build that CV long term. So, naturally for them, it's okay. They feel it's okay. I will hustle, and as such, I will just work the long hours, build my resume, build my experience. and when I move on to the next organization, then naturally, then I will already have all my credentials. Mm. Now, the, the challenge is individually um, and for these graduates is that when you move on, when it becomes part of your life, then if you it's not addressed early on, it can long-term lead to burnout. Mm. And on, on that part, um, that's where... It's important for organisations even today to start, uh, especially SMEs, to start then having that transition to move away from what you say, output-driven, productivity-driven type of work to what we in PwC call a more purpose-driven organisation. Mm, mm. So, to to if you are a startup, what is it that you want to deliver mm. from a financial standpoint, from a delivery standpoint, and and bring that purpose together with the people, and with yourself because it's more purpose-driven then it is something that then allows for them to also then manage their time rather than driving on household culture. House culture has been here for the longest time, I would say, for the, even when I first started working. It's work hard, you get your dues, you, people will recognise you.
1: First in, last
3: out. First in, last out, yeah. exactly. So I remember going to work, being in office by seven, yeah. leaving the office by eight.
1: Yeah.
3: But when you're a youngling, it's fine. It doesn't take its toll on you. But as you age, as you have family, it does take a lot of toll on you. And And, and your priorities change. Yes, exactly. And and as such, um, organizations need to know that with the change of the workforce mix today, that also needs to change, especially when we talk about attracting people to work for you. Mm. You can't have the same guy working for you for the next 30 years. Mm. You still need to talk about what's next. Whose are the people that's behind that that's going to come and work for me? Mm. And how do I provide an environment that allows them to share in what we want to achieve as an organisation, especially the SMEs? Mm. So it doesn't have to be that you're big. You can be small. It can be a more very small, concentrated family business. But the sense of purpose together is very important to, in a way, check that hustle culture. Without that, and allowing the, um, the hustle culture to just continue on, it's not sustainable long term, right?
1: I mean, we know, and as you you mentioned, uh, hustle culture at the beginning, incredibly good output. You see, you see it happening, but over time, it, it affects well being and productivity. Will dip after a certain period of time. When you look towards things like, particularly in bigger companies who have, you know, HR setups and good HR setups, mm-hmm. what strategies can can those HR professionals implement to? Address this issue, and yet still remain competitive. Still have that competitive edge. Oh. It's a
3: real difficult balancing act. Okay, so I think what's always important is SHR. What mm. we strongly believe is is very very important to understand what the employees actually want, Mm. to allow them to have that balance. Mm. And a lot of organizations, especially HR, we, we take this standard approach of let's go to the market, let's benchmark what everyone else does, and then let's just use that. I don't believe that's the right way of doing things. Every organization and every single employee is different. They have very different needs, um, cross-generational, um, again, very different points of their life. And as such, to allow for, for this, HR needs to then allow for them to understand what employees need, to then provide that level of balance from a wellness standpoint. Because what provides wellness for very different people is very different. A, a person who has children has very different wellness needs compared to a person who doesn't have children. So again, someone in the later part of their life who's closing, clo- clearer, closer to, uh, to retirement has very different wellness needs than someone who is just starting out in their career. Mm-hmm. So more mature HR organisations need to look at that in terms of providing <laughs> that. And in PwC, that's what we actually practice in. How mm-hmm. do we then engage the employees to really understand what is it that we... Really want in terms of to be able to provide for employees to to address wellness matters. Mm-hmm. There are flexible in that as well.
2: And now, Isa, before we uh, get to Dr. So this as well. Um, one of the key, I guess, challenges in this space is the fact that oftentimes businesses and especially the smaller ones will look at HR as a cost factor more than a. Well, and it is uh, more than and focus more on the revenue drivers, right? Mm-hmm. So that's why smaller companies uh, typically don't have uh, HR people until they reach a certain size, and even <laughs> then, you know, it's multiple functions in there. Um, how would you, I guess, speak to companies to get them to understand the importance of starting that foundation a little earlier for uh, for
3: sustainable growth? I guess. Okay, so I would say first and foremost is a simple thing like this: if you were to hire, say, five people. And it'll cost you, say, a hundred thousand a year, right? Compared to you have a proper HR in press and you just need three people to do the work with better productivity, and it's cost you sixty thousand a year. Even plus your HR cost, you save end up saving twenty thousand ringgit a year. Mm. Just a general number, but that's still savings. A lot of, um, as you said, SMEs and uh, small organizations, or even even. Regular organizations think, as you said, HR is a cost center, but it is not actually a call center. It allows you to manage your long-term costs. Numerous studies have been done to say that whenever you need to hire or you lose a person, the cost of just trying to cover that person alone is about 18 months' worth of the person's salary. Oh. That's a lot of money. And you don't want to lose people. You want to make sure that they perform as optimally as possible. Mm, mm. So you get your bang for the buck, as you would say. And that's why HR cannot be an administrative function in any organisation. It cannot be one that just pays the salary, pays the claim, processes things. That's not HR. Uh uh You can just have an admin department running that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, Dr. we we, coming over to you, um, obviously... We want to talk about academic institutions. How can they support what uh, Issa has been saying, you know, the industry, HR professionals in preparing students um, who are going to make it into the future workforce for this kind of culture?
0: Um, It's a a very, very interesting question. I'd just like to just um, link back to what Lisa was saying just Mm. now about the cost of retaining staff, right? I mean, 18 months of work that's that's huge cause right <laughs> from being being in the business school i know i cringe when i hear that yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's huge but um I, I guess it's also important for us to understand um who's actually currently joining the workforce as well right um so we have uh we are done with the millennials uh we are educating gen Zs now Right, and uh, you know they are whole different kettle of fish altogether, right? So, um, and and I think about um, this. This is a generation. um, I know the older generation would look at them and say, "Oh, they are you know uh, lazy, demotivated." But actually, that's far from the truth, right? I think these guys are very purpose driven right, um, you know, a, a lot of studies would tell you that you know, these are guys who are looking for um, the truth, right. You tell them they want, they are very pragmatic about things, right? And th- this this is the this is the workforce that you're expecting to join, right? Or they have already joined, they've already come in, right. So what what is it, how is it that we are preparing them? I guess working with HR professionals, HR departments, companies, industries is actually very important. Uh We, We would need to align with that because there's one study which had actually said that for Gen Z, job satisfaction and happiness is very important. If you want them to stay on, these are the things that they are looking for, right? So I think one of the things that academic institutions can do is collaborating, right, to have workshops to have discussions. I mean, a lot of academic institutions today, like Taylor's, for instance, we invite um, guest lectures. We have a lot of industry um, collaborations. We have uh, partnerships where we have got uh, guests coming in. So, you know, the students are already aware of what's happening in the industry. But I guess, you know, having the in, um, HR personnel coming in to say, hey, look, right, for us to teach and encourage our students of on how not to do more right that's that's not how you how you need to go right yeah don't do more but do what you do with the intention of completing it right? mm-hmm. and I think that will resonate very well with gen Z right mm-hmm. because these guys right if, if you tell them to do something they're actually not going to say I mean most likely we would ask okay yes how or when do you want it right but they are actually going to turn around and ask you, is this part of my job description, right? And, and it's a very question, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I guess it's also about um, educating them to tell them, okay, hey, guys, uh, be realistic, right? Um, you don't have to set a huge list of expectations, right? But identify, right? You know, the um, the rule of um, the 80-20 principle, for instance, right? 100% of your effort, of our focus to get 80% results. Do that, Mm. right? It's about getting that message across to the future workforce. I think that's actually very crucial, very important.
1: Okay, uh, that's great. Uh, but we do need to take a short break. Uh, we have more messages, of course, coming up after these messages. We do have a song coming up from the jam with Start, uh, for those of you that want to start like the Rock at 4am. Start, start hustling. Start <laughs> hustling. I don't I know where that is. a counter
2: to the messaging we're
1: providing right now. I don't right know <laughs> about that. Uh, Today here on BizBites, of course, we are unpacking whether the hustle culture has brought sustainable pra- uh, sustainable success for enterprises, particularly in the SME sector. We've been speaking with Mohammed Isat Moshidi, uh, Director of Workforce Management at PwC, and Associate Professor Dr. Sothis Soma Sundram, Head of Department of Postgraduate Studies for the School of Management and Marketing, Faculty of Business and Law at Taylors University. Time for a break here on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Breakfast for Masters, BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome back to Enterprise Biz Bytes. I'm Rich Bradbury in the studio with... Roshan Kenison. And of course, we're still here with Mohammed Issa Moshidi, the Director of Workforce Management for PwC. Virtually, we are joined by Associate Professor Dr. Soudhi Somasundram, Head of Department of Postgraduate Studies for the School of Management and Marketing, Faculty of Business and Law at Taylors University. We're unpacking whether the hustle culture has brought sustainable success for enterprises, particularly in the SME sector. Um... And we've kind of been moving around a little bit from it here, there, and we spoke about Gen Zs and millennials. And I think one thing that we've not really touched upon, and I think uh, Dr. Solis mentioned it very briefly, was this idea of... when we look at some SMEs in particular, we have multiple generations within that SME. Uh, you know, it, it could be the father and then the son and then the grandson who are all working together. And obviously, they all have their own wants and needs. And when you look at some, Isa, I want to start off with you. When you look at a situation like that, how and, and, and what are your thoughts on that? Because everybody has their own different wants and needs. How do they find that balance and make sure that SME that they're in is successful?
3: Hmm. Okay. It's a very interesting question. Actually, I'm working with a client at the moment who's going through the same, the exact hmm. same problem. So the the middle generation, I would say, always has the biggest challenge. And I'll let me say why. The founders, who are actually the, the grandfathers, are very clear that they are there. They grew the business. They have now a legacy to pass on. Mm. The middle generation has this question of, do I then take it over? Or do I again do something else? Would yeah. I still want to continue on? And then the third generation is basically where, do I want to inherit this or do I just want to go and do something out of the business? But that is from a um, generational standpoint of an SME. Mm. But if you look at the people in the organization itself, right? The multi-generation in the organization. The, the the middle level is where these are the people that has to have the question, will the organization now continue on beyond this? And who will this take on? And usually, I think we, we did have this chat earlier, most of the people in this level now are those millennials, mm. very driven. These are the hustle culture people, mm-hmm. right? And they, they will be, because of that, that, they will push the next generation to actually deliver according to what they believe are the values that need mm. to be delivered. Output, productivity, and so on. Now, um, the, the challenge is that the, the older generation will say, I'm fine as long as you give me the numbers, you give me the financials, do what you need to do. Mm, mm. But the, the, the newer generation, new Gen Z, especially as what Arthur Sotis mentioned earlier, these people are purpose-driven. And because they tend to be more purpose-driven, the question that they will ask, why am I doing this? And this is irregardless of what level of society that you're from, whether you're from B40, M40, or T20, everyone will ask the question, say, why am I doing this? Mm, mm. And just relating to my own team, it is always trying to find a balance of trying to, again, what is it in for you? What do you get out of this beyond the money that you get as a, as rewards, mm. and that's what purpose driven is fundamentally about. Do I contribute back to society? Do I actually allow myself to, is what we're doing, what we're doing now, contributing to the betterment of the people around me? Mm. Mm. Will help my family. Will help the families around to which the areas that we operate mm. in. And, and for organisations, there is that fundamental questions that SMEs, although it is a difficult question to answer, on many, a lot of SMEs may say that this is not relevant to me, it is a question that you do need to start thinking about and yeah. answering today because yeah. that's where the business is evolving. Eventually, organisations will have to define where they want to be in mm-hmm. the world What is the business space that they want to operate in, and how will that then deliver for them from a value point, from a financial standpoint to them as well? Yeah, yeah. So that is where the middle generation plays a very important, the hustle culture generation plays that important um, role moving forward. And to do that, there needs to be a very clear effort by the more senior level within the organization to start putting in for place all this wellness, all this mindfulness type of initiatives for the organization, mm. be ever, whether you're SME or any type of organization there mm. is.
1: Doctor, I, I see you kind of nodded along there. Can I get your thoughts on this quickly? Uh, doctor, sorry is this. I, are, yeah, I think you're, you're on mute, Doctor. Sorry. <laughs> <I'm>
0: muted myself. <laughs> um. I think um, from an academia uh, perspective, I think, um, you know what we should do? Get the the different generation in the same room, uh-huh. right? Put them together. Ask them the purpose of life questions, right? Ask them that question. And you know, I'm sure at the end, if you're facilitating a session like this, right? You're gonna actually have, um, that there are going to be similar thoughts, right? people are going to have responses like what's important, family, a sense of personal and professional growth, making a world a better place, right? So at the end of the day, what what we're most likely going to see is the shift in the conversation is about priorities, right? And actually our priorities are all the same, right? We might be expressing it differently, but our priorities are the same, right? We want uh, to be supported at work. We want to help people across generations feel heard, more engaged, right? I guess at the end of the day, that's that's what we would want to do, right? Mm. So um, one of the great things that we can actually do, do um, reverse mentoring, right? Mm. Get our senior um, people, right? Get them to be mentored on social media trends, troubleshooting tech problems, right? How to have a global mindset, get the junior staff to do it right i think we might be able to get some fantastic results from that right so having those kind of sessions. I have
1: seen where they, you know, they've, and there's been TV shows made about this, where (laughs) they've taken the CEO and they've put him down on the factory floor, you know, for him to understand how the business works from the bottom up. And the Mm -hmm. amount of changes that happen after these CEOs have been down there and seen that kind of scenario is incredible, you know. Right, uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for your time today here on the show. Of course, we do have to wrap up because we are running out of time um but it's been a, a very interesting session and i think you're, you're right doctor you know just putting everybody in a room and, and getting them to kind of you know pillow fight it out as it were uh, to get to a result i, I think is is, is- potentially the way forward, right? Anyway, um, if you did miss any part of the show, don't forget you can download the podcast wherever you normally get it from. Uh, Of course, we recommend using the BFM app. That's available on the Apple App Store or Google Play. Now, um, we have been speaking, of course, about hustle culture and whether um, it's brought sustainable success for enterprises, particularly in the SME sector. I want to thank our guests, Mohammed Issa Moshidi, the Director of Workforce Management at PwC. Isa, thank you very much for joining us. I'm sure we'll see you again. Um, Dr. Uh, Saudis Somasundram, Head of Department of Postgraduate Studies for the School of Management and Marketing at the Faculty of Business and Law at Taylors University. Don't go anywhere. Coming up after the one o'clock news, it's the Breakfast Grill replay. It is uh, Singapore's international arrivals beat forecasts in 2022 as the city-state saw 6.3 million visitors last year. Melissa Ow, who assumed the position of Chief Executive in Singapore Tourism Board back in June this year, joined the Breakfast Grill to discuss the prospects of Singapore's tourism industry, how they are using art and entertainment to attract international visitors, and efforts to adapt to evolving consumer demands. That's all coming up after the one o'clock news. On behalf of myself and Roshan, this has been Enterprise Biz Bites here on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. <music>
3: You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.